This week's episode of the Fat Packs Podcast is brought to you by the Collectible Card Club, Monster Breaks, and all our phone guests appear on the Spotty Hot Cash Hotline. everybody, it's Eric, and this is the Best of the Fat Packs, February 2018. Real simple premise here. We're going to bring you the best three interviews, maybe four interviews, that we think we did each month. And February was a hard month to narrow, narrow down because we had so many great ones. But in the long run, we came to it came down to champions, and we had three definite champions on the, on the podcast this month. And Nate Robinson, Charles Haley, and Drew Pearson. So... We're going to replay those interviews for you. If, uh, maybe you missed them the first time and uh, want to catch up here. Or maybe you just want to re-listen to them and uh, maybe catch something you didn't catch the first time. Either way, we hope you enjoy it. And uh, we'll be back on the other side of these three interviews with a little bit of breakdown. You guys hang tight. Here comes Nate Robinson. This is Sean Aronson, the play-by-play voice of the St. Paul Saints, your new favorite minor league baseball team. And you're tuned in to the Fat Packs Podcast. All right, guys, coming out of that quick break uh, with Fresh Roll Collectibles, I want to thank them again for making the time and coming on the show. But right now, we are joined by a man that really needs no introduction. He is a three-time NBA dunk champion. He is a world champion. He is just an all-around hell of an athlete. Plus, he owns Nate's Wings and Waffles. What's up, Nate Robinson? How are you doing, sir? Man, how you doing? That was a great introduction. Man. (laughs) Well, we're we're called the Fat Pack, so we eat a lot of food. So we're we're kind of interested about this uh, wings and waffles thing you got going on. <laughs> we are definitely oh, cool. That's what's up. <laughs> we are definitely interested in, uh, in the wings and waffles. Let me tell you a story, Nate, to start the to start the conversation here. I got stationed at Fort Lewis, Washington, uh, early 2000, 2001, I'm sorry, and I hear about this guy Nate Robinson who is a hell of a defensive back and a hell of a basketball player, a point guard uh, at UW, just killing stuff. And I was like, you got to go see him. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go check him out. Man, you blew my mind. You blew my mind. You were the best defensive back I've ever seen play football at that time. And I got to tell you something. It was a pleasure watching you. So from a fan, thank you for joining the show. Oh, man, I appreciate that, man. Thanks, bro. That's, 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 that's what's up. Thanks for having me. So um, we heard that you, John, Mr. Finkel told us that you had one of the best memorabilia collections he has ever seen. And you are just shameless about asking guys for their stuff. So, what's up with your memorabilia room, man? Uh, I mean, it's it's cool. I used to ask, you know, guys after the game for their jerseys and sign. I got a couple guys that uh, <clears throat> that when I was a kid growing up, I used to love watching play, and I always needed a jersey from them, which was a T Mac jersey. Uh, I got a. Uh, who is it? Uh, Chauncey Billups, Steve Francis, uh, Gilbert Arenas. 
just guys that I looked up to, uh, you know, as a kid, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Jermaine O'Neal, um, I mean, the list goes on. Spud Webb, I'm trying to think who's on my wall, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, uh, Tony Parker. I mean, the list goes on, man. I just I just try to collect as much, I would say, so collect memories more so than just memorabilia or jersey. So I just I wanted to take a piece of, uh, of those memories with me and, you know, pass it on to my kids and they'll be in the family forever. That's awesome, man. I heard Steve Francis in there. I haven't heard that name in so Steve long, Francis, man. You're a Maryland yeah, guy, Paul. Yeah, Francis one of my, Steve Francis is one of my favorite, man. He, uh, he was my guy, man. Uh, he was one of the first players that I ever took a picture with when I was like 15 years old. And uh, he, uh, he, um, he took a picture with me, man. I was like, you know, Mr. Francis, it was a, during a, uh, I would say a pro-am game in D.C. Okay. And... He took a picture with me. I had a little Polaroid joint. I winded it up. Now you know. I, t- I think I took one of the first selfies ever. Nice. I took a picture, and then I and then I had somebody take one with me with him. So it was pretty cool that you know back then, like I was into the, you know taking the pictures, and then uh, you know one day when he got traded to the Knicks, and I was on his team, I told him I said I got a gift for you. I said I I don't know if you you know if uh, if other people give you give you things, but I wanted to give you something to show my appreciation. As a, as a young boy to a man, and I gave him the, the duplicate of the pictures of me and him together when I was 15 years old. And I told him, I said, bro, you changed my life and gave me hope that I can make it and be a guy like you to take pictures with somebody and, you know, give that same love and, and, and honor towards somebody else. So, I, you know, shout out to big Steve Francis for, you know, changing my, my life, you know, for, for the better when I was 15. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm, I'm from Maryland originally, so I'm a huge, huge Terps fan, man. I love watching him play. That's, sure. that's enough about yeah, the Terps. Man. All right, wait, whatever, man. Don't be dissing the Terps, man. <laughs> let's let's talk about uh, how you ended up uh, at Washington. Your dad uh, was an amazing athlete in his own right. 1982 Rose Bowl MVP, MVP, 1985 Orange Bowl MVP, and you ended up in Washington. It was it came down to UW and USC. What brought you to to the Dogs? Uh, I mean, what brought me to the dog, like you said, man, is that tradition, you know, Husky football just from uh, from many years, you know, before, even when my dad went there. And then my dad being from Oakland, California, coming to Seattle, so, you know, playing for the Huskies, it was like I was going to be, I was born a Husky, man. I mean, I got pictures when I was young in Husky gear with my dad and being at UW with his friends, you know, and the football team and, you know, being an adult now and, you know, attending University of Washington. It just, you know, it's like the icing on the cake, you know, just, you know, following my, my father's footsteps. And for me, I wanted to start kind of my own legacy and, and, you know, and my own history on the game. That's why I switched to basketball, because I wanted to do something different than my father did. Well, that makes that makes a total sense. You know, he, Absolutely. He said his mark. He said his mark on football and I did basketball thing. So, you know, we both have something that we can say that we helped the program, uh, I would say, transform for the, you know, for the greater good. You know, down the line tradition. Yeah, it makes total sense, man. And I, I believe that you did that, man. Those those early teams with uh, Lorenzo Romar, you guys, you guys are just you were awesome. Um, who were some of your favorite competitors in college? Just to just go head head against. Oh uh, man, Salim Stoudemire. Okay. Uh, I used to play against him at AAU basketball, and then we played against each other at the Pac-10. But when it was called the Pac-10, now they didn't change it sure. to the Pac-12, to the Pac- which I hate to even <laughs> say that, but whatever. Uh, 
But um, yes, I mean Stoudemire, uh, let me see, Sean Adams. Arizona was a tough group of of kids that they put together. You know that was awesome. Andre Godawa was on that team. Sure. You know they they just had a great squad. Um, uh, say Luke Ridenour and them guys in Oregon, the Oregon squad. Um, I mean the Pac-10 alone. I can't really just say individuals, man, because it was just it was just tough being. Coming from UW, you know, us being not, not being a basketball school and, you know, our coach Lorenzo Romar, you know, putting together a, the team that he did mm-hmm. and the noise that we made was unbelievable, I would say. Like, we were one of the best teams in the country and we were guys that nobody really was recruiting at all. So, it's pretty, it felt pretty good. Uh, Rainier Beach. No one was recruiting anybody out of Rainier Beach, man. What's up with that? <laughs> Sounds like a cool school they, to come they, from. They was they 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 was recruiting the twins. The twins were highly recruited. Okay, but like the guys that went to UW with me weren't highly recruited. So like you had Will Conroy, who was gonna go to Gonzaga, but ended up going to UW and walked on at UW, and then later got a scholarship. So that's to show you, you know, like what kind of players that we got players from Washington that weren't heavily recruited. And that end up coming to the University of Washington and now making it a big basketball program. I mean, you know, and for me to be one of the you know first persons to start that, I mean, I, I just feel great about that because now a lot of kids are coming to, to UW. We have a couple first round draft picks, uh, and Brandon Roy being one of the first, you know, highest draft picks. Right. Martel Webster that committed to UW that end up going out of high school. Uh, you had uh, Markel folks that just went number one pick. So, sure. you know, Terrence Ross won lottery. Tony Roden won lottery. A lot of guys, uh, myself going in the first round, a lot of guys from Washington, Isaiah Thomas, 60th pick, but is an all-star now. So UW has produced some of the greatest, you know, some of the dopest athletes and, and top numbers in the last, like, 15 years. Yeah. Yeah, question. definitely, definitely. Yeah. In fact, that leads to a question that uh, one of our listeners had for you. They wanted to know who you thought – the best athlete to come out of Seattle was past or present. I mean, I'm biased. You're on the phone with me. I'm gonna say Nate Robinson. The best athlete, past or present, to come out of Seattle. Is it Jamal? Is is it the Jet? Oh, there you go. Yourself. That's what I was gonna there say. You go. <laughs> it's me. I don't. I don't. I don't know anybody. The Jet, Jamal. Nobody's ever won Mr. Football. I don't even know if they won Mr. Basketball, but I won Mr. Football, Mr. Basketball, and I set the record in the hurdles. Right. Watch. Hey, watch. And instead of watch, and nobody's ever beat it yet. So. I would say me. I mean, my not saying me because it's me, but me because if it was somebody else that had this resume, I would say that person would be it. Okay. I'm, I, you can't argue with that. No, I'm not arguing. He won Mr. Basketball and Mr. Football in the same year. And he can jump hurdles. <laughs> and he can jump hurdles. Dude, that's got my vote. He's, he's got a uh, – Nate, correct me if I'm wrong, you had a 41-inch vertical or is it 44? Uh, it's forty four. It's forty four. Okay, I was I was one of the numbers. I yeah, I heard once he dunked a basketball. A few yeah, times he dunked too. he dunked a basketball. Let's talk about that. The the dunk contest is coming up this weekend. For, my first question is, who you got this weekend, Nate? Who, who's who's winning it? Man, I think the finals is going to be. Uh, I would say probably Dennis Smith Jr. and Donovan Mitchell. I would say in the go. finals. Uh, I would want. Man, I would just want to see some great dunks where they share the trophy because it's it's it's. it's it sucks that you know fans get the vote to see who wins or loses, but at the same time, uh, they're 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 so athletic, you know. They're they're, they're freaks of nature, and to see you know young guys coming in and like you really see just all rookies, almost all rookies, been in the dunk contest. Like a lot of them being the, the bouncier, you know, young guys, you know, which is cool. But 
I'm gonna have to say Donovan Mitchell. I feel is gonna is gonna probably win the dunk contest. Uh, being in Dallas, we're gonna have to wholeheartedly disagree and say we hope it's Dennis Smith Jr. But yeah, we are. But Donovan Mitchell, man, he can jump out of the gym. That dude is just incredible. Yeah, he, he does. He does some crazy. Now, hopefully, he can do some dunks in the in the dunk contest because some people can dunk in the game but can't dunk in like when it's time to show you what you really got. That's true. I think I think I think maybe Dennis Smith Jr. might have an edge because he looks like he could do fancier dunks because he's done some crazy ones in this season. Sure, sure. Let's, let's well, talk about the, Hopefully they do him proud so Nate doesn't have to come out of the audience right, and like, right, go right. Up there and show him how it's done, right? <laughs> Speaking of... Know, right? Please don't make me have, please don't make me have to dunk in my jeans or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> He'd still get all tens. That's right. Uh, speaking of the dunk contest again, uh, I was reading your book, uh, Heart Over Height, and... Something crazy happened. You got your your shoes stole, your kryptonite shoes stolen before the dunk contest. Tell us that story, man. Yeah, so I, it was weird, bro. I had them in my hotel room. I remember, you know, I had a pair that I was they was specifically for the dunk contest, and I had those and I put those in my room. And then I had another pair that they wanted me to go uh, practice in to make sure that they were comfortable enough to wear. So I had two pairs. So the pair that I had with me. The pair that I had with me were the ones I was practicing in and the ones that they wanted me to wear in a game in the actual dunk contest were at the they were both the same shoe, but they just wanted me to wear this pair. So when I went to go practice at the at the gym I went to, when I came back to the hotel, they were gone. Oh no. And I'm like, it is only you know, me, my girl had a key to my room besides the people at the hotel. Sure. So we didn't know what happened, something happened in like the next that same day. No, the dunk contest was the next day, but that same day, it was up on the internet that the shoes were going for like twenty five thousand. Oh, that's wow! It was a, it was crazy that we had to go. So then, what Nike did, I think Nike or somebody my agent, somebody figured out a way to buy the shoes from that person, get the shoes back. So I don't know. It was weird. It was just, that, it was just a weird, a weird day, and I ended up getting the shoes back. But I ended up wearing the ones that I practiced in in the dunk contest, so they actually were the real, the real deal. So okay. That was pretty cool. All right. Man, how crazy is that? Turn around and find them on on the internet. That's that's nuts, man. It is nuts. That's well, real nuts. I kind of felt like when Michael Jordan got his jersey stolen and then he had to wear number twelve. For number the day, twelve. So that's right. It kind of felt kind of cool to be somebody wanted to steal my shoes because they were that good. So it made me feel good. And just, you know. So Paul and I were flipping through some old basketball cards, and there's an old hoops card of Jordan wearing the number twelve jersey. It's a Sam Bennett card, actually, but. Front and center is Jordan in that number twelve, and it looks so weird. It just doesn't look right. So my question here is: Did, did you collect cards growing up, Nate? Did you have any kind of fun with that kind of stuff? Of course I did, man. I'm glad you said that, man. I, remember, I used to have a I used to have a notebook when I was a kid. No lie, in the fifth grade, and believe it or not, Brandon Roy, who, okay. won, the, who won the rookie of the year, yep. was my classmate in the fifth grade. Oh wow! That's nice. And we used to trade we used to trade cards as kids. And we we had uh, we had a girl that was in our class that her father was Dominique Wilkins. How cool is that? Sweet, jeez, very nice. So it was kind of weird, like all that happening. And then when we were we used to trade cards, and the, the girl, her name was Annalisa. She uh, she was like, "That's my dad right there." And we all looked at her like, "Like yeah, right." Like Dominique Wilkins is not your dad. Like get right. out of here. Like, right. No way. And she was like, "Why would I lie about that?" So. I was like, yeah, whatever. So she was like, no, for real. When he comes and plays the Supersonic, like she knew everything. And da, da, da. we was like, man, this is crazy. You might be really telling the truth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So 
And then her mom, back then, her mom was hot too. So we used to, as kids, we used to like, look, your, hey, tell your mom we said, what's up? She's our girlfriend. Like, we used to always think that her mom was our girlfriend growing up because she was, her mom was so pretty. And then I was like, well, it makes sense. Her mom was pretty and she knows knows everything about basketball. No girl at that time would knew anything about basketball unless it was Michael Jordan. So then it made it easy to believe, like, to believe her and it ended up really being her dad. So it's pretty, pretty that, crazy. That's crazy. That, that is, that's, that's a, a funny great story, story, too. Absolutely. Now, were you a big Sonics collector? Because I'm, I'm going to tell you personally that I loved, I loved GP, uh, uh, Sean Kemp, you know. Of course. I, I played for uh, my AAU team was called the GP Arsenal. We were oh. sponsored by Gary Payton. Nice. So it's like I said, the the, the, the me being a fan of the Sonics growing up, I was all that. Um, you know, played on a, uh, Gary Payton's AAU team as a kid growing up. So I was around basketball a lot. I was around the NBA players, and it was just it was just fun to be a part of something like that here in Seattle and Washington because our, our team was pretty dope. You know, went to the finals. Uh, then when Ray Allen came here, he used to come to University of Washington to play versus our college team, and we used to give them guys buckets. Nice. Him, Luke Rittenauer, <laughs> like the whole squad, Rashard Lewis, they used to always come up to our to our university, and we used to we used to we used to take it to them, and they used to always tell us that we was ready for the league back then. So it was pretty cool, to, you know, to hear it come from an actual NBA player that say that we're ready for the NBA. That's nice. That is if very Ray cool. Allen, if Ray Allen's telling you that you're ready for the NBA, you must be ready. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, Nate. Tell we're speaking of Washington again. Tell us about the Apple Cup and basketball wise. Is that as serious a game as say the football game is? Every everything going against the Cougars, you have to win. If right. You're, if you're, if you're, <laughs> period. That's like Oregon, Oregon State, UCLA, USC. It goes down all the way down the line. You cannot you cannot lose to your rival school. Period. So we take it serious. Like our Apple Cup. It was pretty cool because in football, you know, I won against the uh, versus the Cougars sure. in football. And then on basketball, I never lost to them. I beat them in every – so I told them I'm undefeated. I've never lost to the Cougars in my career. I beat them in football, and I beat them every game in basketball. So it just was something that was just – it has to happen. Like we have to – we have to beat the Cougars in everything we do, in yeah. every sport. You could go one and nine, but as long as you won that game, <laughs> yeah. it was okay. That's you right. gotta win. Yeah, I told, I told I told the team that when, when I spoke with, to them in the Apple in the Apple uh, for the Apple Cup, I went and talked to the team the team this year because Peterson let me come and said a couple words of wisdom, and I just told them even if we lost every game, we don't lose this one. This ain't the game. We win. This. this is the game we win, no matter if we go over whatever throughout every other team. But we play the Apple Cup. This is the one we gotta win. They went out and, and handled business. Go dogs! There you go. Who would have thought Apple <laughs> yeah, Cup would so, be such a big deal? Yeah, so I bet, I bet one of my good friends that went to uh, Washington State, name Brandon Gibson. We we come from the same area, we grew up in South Seattle, played for the same uh, little league football team, and in the last, I think the last three four years, we've been betting every Apple Cup a pair of shoes because we're sneakerheads. Oh, okay, so we yep. bet a pair of sneakers every year. So every year, I didn't got great pairs of sneakers and from my friend. And I just, I just, I just thank the Huskies for them. So, so what's your favorite colorway when when you get a new pair of kicks? What, what do you like to go with? So it's just whatever whatever fresh Jordan or Nike that's been coming out that I don't I don't want to buy myself. I have I, you know the Apple Cup. I just know I'll just wait for a pair of great shoes to come out. My homie got to get them because <laughs> I know that's just that's, you know just me finding a way to get some free you know free shoes. That's awesome. That's good stuff. So how how many pairs of shoes do you do you have, Nate? I have to ask. Uh, too many. I can't even count anymore. <laughs> now that my son. Now that my son is a size nine and a half, ten, he's gonna be. I think I'm about to pass him down. They're not gonna be mine anymore. So, my shoe days are over. Oh, okay. 
Speaking of being over, your playing career in the NBA is over, but you you want one more shot. You think you can get that one more shot? I mean, I would love to have an opportunity. I just want to be able to showcase, you know, uh, how much I've grown since my, my rookie year and the younger days that I played, how much uh, more of an understanding that I have for the game and the, the preparation of it, everything. I just want to show them that, you know, at me being at the age of 33, I'm at my best right now. Right. And I haven't even played in the last year and a half, two years, you know. So I just uh, I, I want to be able to show that. But you were and doing it over in Venezuela, I will, man. I will, I will get that chance when I play in the big three. So That's see. right. That's right, the big three. Now, how do you feel about that that league? I feel great about it. Yeah? I want to play. I want to showcase. It's pretty cool. You get to play against, you know, the old the guys you, you grew up watching. Right. You know, like uh, Jermaine O'Neal on my team. I grew up watching him. Uh, who else is like Baron Davis plays in it, you know, uh, Chauncey Billups, Mike Bibby, all the guys I grew up playing against and, I, you know, watching and then playing against when I was in the league. And now they're back playing again. And then, you know, it's like, it's like a cycle. I just want to keep playing until I can't play no more. Have fun doing it. It's going to be pretty fun. I'm, I'm excited. Spoken like a true fan of the game, too. That's right. That's yep. right. Speaking of fun, Nate, we have another listener question here. Uh, which team was the most fun to be a part of? I chimed in and I said it's probably going to be that Celtics team with a Shrek and Donkey, but you let me know. Uh, I mean, I, I've had so many great places, you know, that I've played that has, uh, you know, opened up, I would say, you know, different avenues of happiness and and, and memories, man. It's, it's tough because, you know, being in New York, even though we didn't win a lot of games, that first opportunity to play in the NBA, man, like how can you not add that in it? You know, that's a, fa- that's a major sure. factor. Um, and then being able to, you know, get traded to a team like the Celtics and playing with, you know, all these greats with KG and, you know, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Shaq, you know, all the different guys that I played with. Like, how do you pass on that and saying that that wasn't a great memorable moment? So, and then I got an opportunity to play in Chicago when they, uh, they had to actually let me play the game and right. you know, coach couldn't sit me down and, you know, you know, string my minutes over my head like a little puppet, you know, so. Right. I got the opportunity to actually showcase that I can run a team and I can help a team play by averaging almost 18 in the playoffs and like eight assists a game. Like I could do it over the course of the season, you know, and I got that opportunity. So, you know, I would just say my best time was just me being in the league. I shared it equally with every, you know, great place I've been. That's a great answer. That is a great answer. That's a great answer. All right, let's ask him a fun question. Okay. Who's your favorite person or what's your favorite dunk over somebody? Like who'd you dunk over that you're like, yeah, I did that. Uh, I dunked over Leon Poe, and when I was with the Knicks against the Celtics, I got a tip dunk, and he was like right under the basket. He was gonna jump to get the rebound, and I just, and I just quick dunked on him. Nice. It was a quick one, but it was it was it was pretty worth it. And then I would have to say my first dunk, dunking on James Posley. Nice. Uh, him running a flyby trying to block it, and I end up dunking it. And then the reaction from Glenn Rice when he was sitting in the stands was priceless. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty cool. I had one of the best shooters ever react like that. that sure, awesome. sure. You said a block. I got to bring this up, man. You took Yao Ming down like nobody else had ever been able to do before. You made him he he, he grabbed his eye. He said you got him in the eye. Bit. But what happened on that play? Tell us about when you blocked Yao Ming. So, I was I was trying to explain to the kids, like a lot of kids asked me that, you know, at my basketball camps and camps that I've spoken to, you know, across the country. So, they always ask me what was it like blocking Yao Ming, and I was telling them I was like, when you're when you're, when you're doing your defense assignment correct, you know when coach is yelling at you so much to be in the right spot, that actually really, you know, it really happened. My coach is on my butt about being a great defensive helper and pulling over. So, 
And that game, I can only remember my coach yelling at me, saying that to me so many times that I just, I was in the right spot at the right time. And I was like, either he's going to dunk on me or I'm going to block his shot or he's going to get fouled. One of those three things can happen. And I just went up and just put my arm up to block and I ended up blocking his dunk. And it was just like, it was pretty cool, man. I ain't going to lie. That's that awesome. I kind of poked him in the eye after I blocked him, you know, coming down. Okay. You know, I, I remember that. I remember that happening. So, <laughs> it was kind of like me kind of getting away with that. And I think the referees were so shocked that they couldn't blow their whistle. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. But I'll take the block. I'll take one of the best blocks in NBA history. I'll take that. That is, that is, it is for real one of the best blocks in NBA history. It, it was so nasty. It was. And um, just – just seeing it, seeing a guy who's five nine playing like he's six five and taking Yao Ming out to to the back room that was that was uh, that was dirty, man. That's that was real stuff. dirty. So uh, a couple more questions and we'll wrap it up here. First, tell us about Nate's Wings and Waffles, man. What, what what's up with you? What's up with this joint? Uh, man, I just um, you know they they don't franchise uh, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, so I was like in my head, you know, going to L.A. so many times, AU basketball. Uh, uh, you know, Pac-10 tournament, and then uh, the NBA. I always stopped at Roscoe's when we were young, and I was like, man, we don't have nothing like this in Seattle, Washington. Like, I don't know why anybody's ever tried to do it. And, you know, so I was like, you know, I was talking to uh, one of my boys at one of my son's little, little league football practices, and I was like, man, that's something that we need. And my business partner, Darren, who, who I'm in business with, he he was there, you know, watching his son, watching his son practice, and he was like, man, I, I've been wanting to do that for a while. He said, like, so let's link up. He wanted to talk to me about it. We came up, and we was like, let's just do it. And we ended up, you know, bringing it to, to Washington. And, it's, you know, we're doing pretty well, man. It's pretty cool to see how many people actually fly in from out of state just to come eat there. That's, that's, the, that's the shocker for me. So, so where's it? Where's it located? I'm 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 pretty familiar with that that I five corridor. So tell me where where I can find one next okay, time. Okay, so I'm in the, I'm 13th in Jefferson. So okay, I'm right behind Seattle Seattle U University. The university, yeah, Seattle U University. Okay, all right, I got you. So right. Seattle University uh, is right is right there. We uh, we're like pretty much it's called it's like Broadwayish Capitol Hill area. Sure, like Central District area. So sure. it's pretty. It's, it's a great location, you know, for a lot of foot traffic. People walking around the universities there. Students come in, so it's it's, it's pretty busy. Nice, sounds I'm, great. That, that's a ne- that's where I'm going next time I go home. Man. I'm on Expedia now looking yeah, for a flight. Do. Yeah, please do. Come show, come show some love. Definitely gonna show some love. Um, I'm gonna tell you one more story. I worked for the Mariners for for the most horrible seasons they've ever had, 2010 through th- 2012, and I saw you several times in uh, come in and throw out the first pitch. It was always great to see you in the park, man. But the way you interacted with people, I mean, you, it was so genuine. And you don't see that a lot from athletes uh, or, you know, celebrities. And I just want to I want to say thank you for the way you treat your fans, man. It's it's really great to see that from somebody. Oh, man, no doubt, man. Like, without my fans and, you know, my mother always told me, you know, treat people how you want to be treated. Treat people how you want to feel. And I always want to feel good. I always want to be happy. I don't want to be upset, mad, you know, depressed and doubtful i don't you know none of those type of things i want to feed my mental with so my and my aura and my energy so i just try to focus on the most positive things and that's always when other people acknowledge who you are and they and that makes them happy so if i can make people happy by just being who i am you know how can i not interact with them in a way where they they give me that same energy you know what i'm saying so you know shout out to my fans who who made me who i am i'm i was just you know nathaniel Robinson from seattle washington and I enjoy that. And, you know, they made me who I am globally, like my fans being 
you know, them loving how I play, my energy, and what I bring to the table. So I thank them. Sweet. Fantastic. It's, it's so good fantastic. to hear a good. It's so good to hear a story like that. It is. You know, there's so many stories we hear, especially us being sure. in this business that just horrible. Sure. So go, Nate. All right, Nate. One last time. Um, I heard rumor that you and Carlos Boozer are starting a podcast. Can you give us the details about that? Yeah, that's not no rumor. That's ha- that's actually happening. Uh, you know, me and Booz, You know, we're you know we're we're now to our transitioning from different careers, and we're just trying to figure out kind of where we fit in with the world. After life after basketball because we share so many things in common. One, he's being a he's a great guy. You know, Carlos Boo is one of my my favorite teammates ever. Uh, he's like a, a great mentor and big brother to me that I never had. We share the same, uh, you know. We we have so much in common as in we have you know kids. You know, we have kids. He has three boys. I have three boys and a girl. Uh, we're raising kids. You know, just like. We played in the, in, the, in, the, in the NBA together, so we're trying to learn how to be fathers, learn how to be, you know, friends and mentors to our own children, let alone other kids across the world. Uh, so, you know, we like, why not be able to talk about something cool like that on our podcast? And, you know, people drive to work all the time. They want to know about, you know, man, my son didn't make varsity. Uh, what are some tips? You know, we, we get so many questions asked from us, you know, about being a dad and about how do you see your son and what would you do if your son did and that. So we just want to give people something that they can listen to and go home with that are, you know, that's positive, happy, good vibes, some great knowledge, great stories, and then teach them how to be, uh, I would say, even more closer with their children uh, that, you know, that they can get to. So Sweet. I mean, that's why we're, we're, we're doing it. And I think it'd be fun that, you know, we, we can reach a lot of people and help a lot of people, you know, translate to – you know, try, uh, to get to one, you know, point A to point B, and that's to work, and that's to, it could be home, picking up your kids, and then when they listen to this podcast, it's something that a family can listen to, somebody that's going through whatever, they can be a part of something that we can give. Sweet. What's it going to be called, and when, when can we find it? Uh, it's going to be called, uh, it's going to be called the, the Hold That Podcast. Okay. Me and Booz have a little slogan that we run by every time we get a bucket, we yell, hold that. Hold that. So, you know, we run with that, it's pretty cool, and, uh. Yeah, man, we're about to start it, man. It's going to be pretty cool. Sweet. That's awesome. All right, man, I'm going to let you out of here, but uh, if you ever need guests, Paul and I are available. We can come on your podcast and and talk about sports cards. (laughs) Let let them know the whole damn podcast sponsored by Sports Illustrated coming out February 21st. There you go, February 21st. There you go, got a date. That's good. All right, man, uh, thank you for your time. This has been great. My favorite interview of 2018. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Thank you, man. I appreciate that, man. God bless you. God bless you, sir. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Hi, this is Adam Popple from Popple Sports, and you're listening to the Fat Pack. All right, guys. We cut that last interview off short because... A giant rock walked into the room. Absolutely. <laughs> and now he's sitting down here at our table, uh, happy to have six-time Super Bowl champion, Hall of Famer, 49ers and Cowboys legend, Charles Haley with us on Beckett Radio with the Fat Packs. How are you doing, sir? Hey, what's up, Eric? What's up, Paul? We, we're just excited to have you here, man. Yeah, man, excited. this is fantastic. No, you've never been excited about nothing. Oh, yes, yeah, sir. Oh, yes, you <laughs> have. If you've seen us, you should see us at a buffet. Uh-oh. All right? Yeah, at a buffet. <laughs> I'm excited at a buffet. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> I used to get excited watching you sack Jim Kelly in the Super Bowl and, and Steve Young in the playoffs and just being a monster out on the field. Tell, tell me, who was the best, best quarterback you got, a, you got a good hit on? Um, well, um, um, Kelly. Okay. Um, 
Um, I forgot the guy's name uh, for the Redskins. Um, <laughs> um, um, not, <laughs> not, not, not to pick on the Redskins. Yeah, man. but um, yeah, I hit that guy. He, Michael Carter caught it that time instead of Jimmy Jones, uh-huh. and Michael Carter went sixty-one yards for a touchdown. Oh, nice. I, I like um, so I I got um, hit him pretty hard, and um, <laughs> it's a whole bunch of guys I've I've um, blindsided. Nice, nice. very Good nice. Stuff. Man, that's why they put that best tackle on the on the uh, on that right side. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because of Charles Haley, they were scared of him. <laughs> awesome, that's good stuff. Man, uh, so we are a collectible show. We we talk about sports cards and collecting cards. Did you collect cards growing up as a young kid? Man, I was po. I didn't know what no oh. damn collectible cards <laughs> okay. is. You didn't, right. buy, for the, do. you didn't buy them for the gum or anything? What gum? No, <laughs> you got to have money to buy gum, right? <laughs> hey, I had good teeth. I had good, strong teeth. Good teeth. I, hey, we didn't need no candy. My mom, mom um, every two weeks when she got paid, sure. uh-huh. we would go to town. She would um, uh, take us to Dairy Queen. And, um, okay. we get that. we get that all get a... Um, a meal there. That was it. That was okay. it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's good stuff, man. All right. Then then you, you you grow up, obviously. You go to college. JMU, right? Right. JMU. Books. Books. Yep. We got, you know what? We got a good a guy on our staff went to JMU. Come okay. to think of uh, John Finkel went to yeah, JMU. Yeah, he did. Okay. He did. John, JMU. Uh, tell us a, co- a college experience. What was college like for you? Oh, God. It was, hey, you know what? Um, I, I gave James Madison one of my my bus. Um because, you know, I shouldn't have got in school. Sure. I didn't have the grades, but they gave me the opportunity. Okay. Oh, that's great. And, um, and that's what I preach to colleges and, um, and schools. It's just give a kid an opportunity. Hey, and then it's on us. Sure. You know, I made C's and I got a degree. So, right. And I, I earned every bit of it. And um, it was, you know, the, the hardest part wasn't the sports part of it. It was just... Um, um, you know, doing all the extra work just to try to catch up, mm-hmm. to, you know, and, right. and stay in that, stay eligible. And then I wanted to graduate. I, I, I did not want to go back home to work on a farm anymore. Right. And I don't, I don't blame you. Yeah, that, I wouldn't that's want to do that. Yeah, that's hard work. So you get drafted. What were your thoughts when getting drafted? Were you just overwhelmed with excitement? Man, I, they they told me I was going to get drafted first, second round. The 49ers start calling me in the second round, say we're going to draft you, and um, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And um, so, um, at the end of, of, of the second round, uh, me, me, me and my wife we went down to the uh, movie theater. Ah, did you? Okay, really? We went there watching the movie, right? And um, <laughs> and then then my uh, best friend, my housemate, he come. Flying down the road because we rode on bicycles down, right? Sure, sure. And uh, we ride them bicycles back. But um, <laughs> so I called them when the movie was over because I thought they were lying to me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So um, I got back. I didn't know. You know what? To be honest with you, I didn't know whether someone was pulling my leg because you know I didn't see it. Sure. Um, but they said they had a plane ticket for me. Oh, nice. Yeah. So. After that, I said, yeah, well, I'm in. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Very Good nice, stuff, man. Can you share a, a great memory from, from the Niners the, with your time there with them? Oh, my God. There's so many of them. But um, we'll, we'll go. Um, I, I always call Joe Pinocchio because he got that long nose. <laughs> and, um, so we were, uh, I'll tell you two of them. Um, so what Joe would do, Joe would get there really early, and he would put um, cream of Jesus or – uh, in your jock. Oh no! Oh, and man. so then when you go outside, you running. Yeah. You see guys start going, ah! <laughs> and you see him falling down laughing. Oh and, man! Uh, and then then the other thing, um, the D line and offensive line, they 
you know, they grabbed me. Sure. Took me down to the um, goalposts. Mm-hmm. Oh. They 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 um, took some tape and and tied my head to the goalposts and and they tied my hands back and they stuck a jock in my mouth. Oh, I still no. can't figure out whether it was clean or dirty. <laughs> they won't tell me because there will be repercussions. You know? yes. And so um so uh, and they left me. Oh no, they left yeah. you. Yeah. And um so two hours later. Thank God it was a balcony. Oh. And Bill Walsh accident walked outside and he saw me. He said somebody cut me down. Jeez. Hey, <laughs> hey man, you know what? Hey. You know, I was a young buck thinking I'm a big buck. So right. you, you know, you learn. Right. And I, I, I learned I learned humility. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick. Real quick. Real quick. Who was the toughest toughest offensive lineman you ever went against? Um Well, um, Jackie Slater, Anthony oh. Munoz. Sure. Um, after after those two guys, I went to um, um, numbers only. Um, oh. I, I never I never looked at the name. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Because what I what I was doing was I was reading about guys and that kids being sick and you know one kid died and you know that oh, no. sympathy that empathy. Right, and right. Then, hey, it don't let you unload all you want to do on them. You know. Sure. And, um, so after that, I just started making it a number and. Um, and and at the end of the day, uh, they you know they were my enemy anyway. So right. You know what? Right. I'm gonna. Sh- I, I'm not one of those guys to shake hands. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I'll throw up the deuces, but I ain't gonna shake your hand. We ain't gonna lose. Oh man, that's awesome. That's so, awesome. So you land with the Cowboys. What was that experience? What was coming to Dallas like for you? Was it? Was it some? Was it? I'm, I'm, let me ask you this first. Who was your team growing up? Who, who was the team that you followed growing Pittsburgh up? Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. So, what's the team I, I watch now? Yeah, what's the team you watch now? Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers. Really? <laughs> All right. Hey, All right. And until I die. Until you really? die. Hey, yeah, me and Joe. Sure. Um, yep. And I get to. Ah. I, I, I get to. That's what I'm talking about. I get to go um, eat lunch with me and Joe. Sure. We do it, you know, every, every once in a while. I, I need to do more. Okay. Because um, he, man, hey. I love him, man. He, you know, he lives here. Right. Um, I get to, I get to go hug his neck. Sure. Because he's the reason why I play defense. We were, um, we were poor, and we only had one TV and, um, mm-hmm. that worked, and uh, my mama had that. Sure. So, um, otherwise, on Sunday we're in church. Ah, okay. Yes, sir. So football's over by the time we get home. Right, right, right. And uh, and and so, and then we had to do our chores. So on on um. So it was snowing that you know Super Bowls come on or whatever, and um, so we got a chance to be in there. We watching, and that commercial came on mm-hmm. uh, where, where the <laughs> right. kid gave the coat, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, the coat commercial. Yep. And then he threw the jersey. Yeah. Yep. I was done. Uh, hey, <laughs> that was I'm, it. I'm a Steelers fan, and um, and one of Joe Joe's big Franco Harris. I see all those guys at the Hall of Fame Super Bowls, man. Mm-hmm. All the chills run down my back. I got to take my mama. Cause you know, mm. hey, oh. I got a picture sign for. I ain't seen it yet. I'm afraid, but I um, I know from um, 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 Bradshaw. Okay. Oh, okay. She gonna just jump up and down. Nah. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Very nice. We had we had Mean Joe on just a couple weeks ago on our show actually. Hey. So he wrote that book with uh, with one of our guys. So yeah, that's right. all. He's such a good guy too. Yeah, He's yeah. a great guy. So and the Cowboys, you want to no. know? So were you were you a bit jaded then when you get to Dallas because you're a Steelers fan? No. No. Okay. Oh, no, all right. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'll, hey, I played for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. They got a hundred percent of my energy and my love. Yes, sir. I played for the Dallas Cowboys. They got a hundred percent 
of my loyalty and my energy. Okay. And when I say that is backs, all the injuries of my back, my knees, yes, shoulders, sir. my neck, whatever. Hey, I put up and I shut up. Yes, you sir. Know? So, um, um, so, you know, uh, loyalty. Yeah. It, it, I don't think anybody should go against what they love. You know, if yeah. I loved it, you gonna tell me I loved it for 22 years just because I went to a team I supposed to forget them? Nah, yeah. nah, nah. nah. I mean, you need some hair on your head. Oh wait, man, I'm bald too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the, the you know what? <laughs> the best part about coming here was um, Jeremy meeting at the airport. Sure. And um, and uh, just saying to me, hey, I got your back. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't had. Um, I knew Bill Walsh had my back. Sure. And then when Jerry stepped up. Mm-hmm. And you know he's the owner of the Cowboys, yes, and sir. he told me that. So you know what, my fist was balled up because mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect. He helped me to drop him down a little bit, right? And uh, I did what George Seifert was trying to get me to do: is to be a leader. But I fell into that role because I was the oldest guy, and I've done these things. And um, and now you know I understand, and and I understand now what George was trying to get me to do. Right, right. But um, I, I don't know. I think um, going to a new team mm-hmm. and around new people is easier to do it because you know when you're a hellion, yeah, yeah, you you like to knock everybody on that right. on that um, double double S. Sure. <laughs> then you know there's there's a lot of animosity. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Makes yeah. perfect sense. Um, I think we're going to wrap this up soon, but I wanted to ask you. Um, you didn't collect cards then. Did you? Do you have any of your cards now? Do you collect your stuff that you have now, or anything like that? Um, as far as yeah, I do. I you know all this. Uh, you know, I get to sign uh, most of the um, cards that come. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they send me some. So now I um, I have a room and I have the book. Okay. And my kids um, every time I come out uh, is a cowboy book, forty um, nine book, and uh, and they they do it like that. It's um, I I think it's important. Sure. A lot of stuff. Um, it's just like for me, jewelry. I never had. I don't wear. It's hard for me to get into. Right, right. The car, the car um, collecting business. But it's something that I pass to my son. Mm-hmm. And then my girls. I got three girls. Okay. So my girls will put them in the book faster than my son. You know? so, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. But you know what? Um, I think that's the best part of giving our kids a legacy. Give them something that's going to last forever. Sure. Right. And this definitely does that. And, and, and it tells its own story. Sure. So, yep, that's um, you're absolutely right. So I'm, I'm just excited about it. I think that um, God God do things for a reason, not for, absolutely. you know. That's right. For sure. So we'll let you out of here on this question. You got six rings and a Hall of Fame ring. No, I got five I'm Super Bowl sorry, five rings. Ring. I'm sorry. And, uh, yeah. Five, yeah. five yeah. Super Bowl rings and a Hall of Fame ring. Does is do we, Are they all equal in value to you, or does one hold more to you? Well, um. I'll look at him. Look at this look guy. Look at him. Well, <laughs> you know, um, look at that. Which one holds more value to you? Wow. wow. You look? That's the you know yeah. What? I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, they came with a cost. Yes, sir. You know, I I had to get back surgery, uh, major back surgery, major knee surgery, shoulder. Yes, sir. Um, but just think about those other ten guys that had to endure with me, that cried with me, uh-huh. that you know we suffered together. You know, everything that happened, man, the, the, the bond, mm-hmm. the bricks that we put, hey, that wall can never be broken. And, and, you know, the Hall of Fame ring, 
it's, it's great. It's great to have it. It gives you a different platform. But let me tell you, those five I got mm -hmm. from those those guys that was on the defense with me, hey, it ain't nothing like it. That bond can never be broken. Sure. They may hate you, mm -hmm. but you know what? They're going to hug your neck because we've done things that most people would never do. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. All right. Very man. good. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Are y'all going to kiss me? Uh, you want me to kiss me? You got a face for radio, baby. <laughs> yeah. I yes, would, we do. We would love to take a picture with you. If you yeah, do that. no problem, dog. Right, awesome. Right. Thank you very much. Right, thanks uh, for coming on. Man, that was great. Absolutely. Right. You guys hang tight. We'll be right back. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to the Fat Pack. And we are back. I am Eric. He is Paul. This is the Industry Summit. We are brought to you by Buck City Breaks. Paul, what's up, man? Saw, dude. Saw, man. How you doing? Man, I just saw the coolest thing, man. The coolest thing in the world just happened. This is day two of the Industry Summit. Day one, if you're really being technical about it. And one of the most amazing things just happened for Dr. Jim Beckett. Uh, the original 88, who was sitting in front of us, Mr. Drew Pearson, yes. presented him with a Lifetime Achievement Award. And in his, his speech, in his introduction speech, it turns out, He's a collector. That works. Yeah. <laughs> it works for us, right? It does work out. Mr. Ooh, yeah. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. Blessed to be here with you guys, and uh, thanks for having me. Man, no we, problem, we, man. We, thanks we, for coming, and thanks for, for being a part of this event. It's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, I've uh, heard of Dr. Beckett for years <laughs> right, and right, years, right. being a professional athlete and all that. Mm -hmm. Never heard about him when I was in college, because nobody wanted my autograph. Nobody wanted As soon as I made the Cowboys, I became popular, right, and, right. and you always heard about Beckett and the public and yep. stuff like that and uh, you just really didn't believe it was a guy right you know you just thought <laughs> it was a name an industry or what right. part of the industry sure yeah. but now being here today got to meet him and uh very uh, much honored to do that because he did change the industry, of course. the collectibles and memorabilia industry for, for sure. For sure, for sure. Totally legitimized it. For, yes, for he sure. certainly has. Now, we, we asked you off air, but you said that you have a bit of a collection. You got, you got a garage full of stuff or storage units full of stuff. What, do you, what did you keep from your career? Well, I got a lot of stuff. You know, I got a lot of pictures, uh, drawings, and all that from the uh, Hail Mary. Okay. Uh, of course. Uh, uh, I got seats from Texas Stadium. Okay. You know, oh. uh, I got my fit, my most memorable or favorite collectible. I was a big fan of Jim Brown. Oh, yeah. right, right, of From the yeah. Cleveland Browns. Sure. And I got a couple items from Jim Brown's autograph on it. I did a deal with him, and I was in line. I didn't even cut the line. <laughs> wow. That's how much respect I have for Jim Brown. That's awesome. And how bad I wanted that autograph. <laughs> but a lot of times when I do speeches or do presentations, uh, along with me being there, uh, somebody will have collectible items. Or if I go do signings sure. right, somewhere, right. and I'll see somebody there. I said, oh, man, that's one of my favorite, mm. especially if he's like a New York Yankee. Sure. Right. I grew up in New Jersey. Oh, okay. Yankee okay. fan. I got Tom Tresh, Bobby Richardson, oh, uh, very all cool. those guys' autographs. And it was because I was at card shows or trade shows where they were at. Uh -huh. And I said, Here, here's some money. Go get that autograph <laughs> for me. <laughs> that's awesome. That's I'm awesome. Collector that's for sure. Oh, that's a great deal, story. man. You, now, you, you mentioned you grew up in New Jersey and you mentioned Jim Brown. Did you, I mean, Syracuse is not exactly close to New Jersey, but you know, that's where Jim Brown went to school. Did you watch a lot of Jim Brown at Syracuse? Oh, yeah. yeah. Jim Brown, Foy Little, Ernie Davis. Yeah. All the whole succession of number 44 sure. in <laughs> Syracuse football history. That's right. Even Darrell Moose Johnson. <laughs> yeah. 
The moose. That's funny. The I didn't moose. realize he was 44. I don't think they annoyed yeah. him with 44. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, t- let's, let's talk a little bit about your career. You, you, you signed with the Cowboys as an undrafted free agent. You're on special teams, and then a year later you're starting. How was that – not being drafted and signing as a, as a free agent, how did that experience make you feel? I mean, were you expected to be drafted? Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. I was expecting to be drafted because everybody was telling me that. You know, okay. I worked okay. out for okay. quite a few scouts sure. that came to Tulsa. We had some pretty good athletes there, even though our team sucked. <laughs> we had some pretty good players. We had two guys go in the second round that year and uh, my year and a couple guys in the later round. So uh, when we had – pro day there there's a lot of scouts there and worked out for all of them so they're all telling me including the cowboys reed johnson was the scout that mm-hmm. the cowboys sent up to tulsa that day for their our pro day and he's telling me after yeah you got you got a chance to make it and all that and you know i had a little skepticism because i had played two years at quarterback in college and then moved to receiver right okay and uh didn't catch many passes i caught 55 passes in two years uh 22 my junior year and 33 my senior year okay. so it's pretty lonely out there right right, right. <laughs> and the ones i did caught were low and away in the dirt and stuff right. like that <laughs> quarterback ended up getting drafted in the baseball a guy named steve bowling okay oh. uh, but anyway um through all that you know, uh, not getting drafted was disappointing. Sure. And, uh, but then I got my chance with the Cowboys. I was going to make them the most of that opportunity. Of and you and guys, did. this is back <laughs> when they had 17 rounds of the draft. Exactly. Well, right. <laughs> some players still <laughs> didn't right. get drafted. Still didn't get drafted. All that so after everybody telling you you were going to get drafted, sure. and then you don't, it's very disappointing. But was happy because the second day of the draft, the Cowboys called me, the Pittsburgh Steelers called me, and the Green Bay Packers called me. All right. Oh, okay. And that made me feel a little better. Awesome. I ended up signing with the Dallas Cowboys uh, for $14,500 first-year salary okay. and $150 signing bonus. Wow, they went all out. They paid me in cash. <laughs> they paid you in cash. Now, uh, my, my friend sitting here to my right is the – the biggest Washington Redskins fan oh, you will ever meet. Yeah, no, no. That word from cleats up in there. <laughs> so, <laughs> last night, last night we had Charles Haley here, and he was talking about sacking quarterbacks for Washington. Tell me a good time about when you burnt a, a Redskins cornerback. When you just burnt. Oh one. <laughs> man, I forgot his name. I oh. think his, his last name was Williams. So we were playing him in. Uh, 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 Texas Stadium. Okay. And I caught a uh, deep route down the sideline. Okay. And uh, caught it over my shoulder from Roger, and he was trailing me. I can't really remember his first name. It's like, I'm pretty sure it was Williams. But anyway, he was trailing me, and as I caught it and ran into the end zone, he was still trailing me, and I jumped up and turned and spiked the ball right nice. in his face. Man, that would have been a 15-yard penalty nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It been. The last thing I asked him when we walked into the sideline, because he was pretty upset about sure. that. Oh, yeah. I said, what flavor was it? Was oh, it? <laughs> <laughs> See, we talked that kind of noise back in the day, because right. I knew this guy would never be a Dallas Cowboy. Exactly. <laughs> you say that kind of stuff now to somebody, right, right. you'll end up being your teammate <laughs> later true. on in the, your career. That is so true. So, but, that is so great true. memory. 
memories uh, also on Thanksgiving Day when we beat the uh, Redskins with uh, Clinton Longley coming into the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes in. They, pr- uh, Darren Talbert said they're going to knock Starbuck out of the game. Uh-huh. Yep. We knock Starbuck out of the game. Yep. We win the game. Mm-hmm. Well, they did knock Starbuck out, them, yeah. but they didn't know we had a Clinton Longley exactly. sitting there. The there. Legend he came back Longley. with two touchdown passes, including one to me with the final 28 seconds. To well, beat the Redskins. And the best thing about that, when I broke the huddle, I lined up to the left side, okay. and that was right by the uh, Redskin bench. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you could see George Allen licking his thumb, you know how yeah. he did yeah. back then? Yeah. He just knew he had us. And uh-huh. he was saying, I could hear him saying, Tex Schramm, Tom Landry, we got you and all this, because if we lose this game, we're not even in contention for the playoffs. Oh, okay, I got so you. So it was a big, uh, big, deal. big deal. Right. But anyway, uh, the late, great George Allen talked to him later about that and the regret he had is that the defense he played was not the defense he wanted to play. Uh, he went with his defensive coordinator on a particular uh, defense, and that turned out to be the wrong defense. The wrong defense. Against the original 88. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think awesome. I'm pretty sure every defense was the wrong defense. Hey, it's <laughs> not like Harvey Martin. Harvey used to say, Drew, ain't nobody can cover you. Yeah. I said, you're right, Harvey. <laughs> so we, got, we, have to, we have you here. We have to talk about the catch. Yeah. yeah. We have to talk about the Hail Mary. So what was – did you have any idea when you caught that ball how big of a deal it actually was at the time? No, no. Not, not at all. No. And, uh, I think uh, oh, there's a lot of things that made it a big deal. You know, the, the circumstances, sure, playing right. a wild card team, playing the Vikings, who had just been to two previous Super Bowls, and they said this team was better than those teams. Right, and right. We had to go up there to play. And uh, it was a tough deal. And we had them, you know, first half, 10-7. to 7. They came back late in the game. And, you know, we needed the touchdown to win it. And so uh, in that situation, which was so cool about it, two things number one coach landry let us handle it nice okay, okay. he felt nice. like he prepared us to know what to do in those situations because you don't have time to get a play sent in from the sideline and right, all right. that kind of stuff so it was always a situation the other thing that was cool about it is that it was always a situation where roger asked me drew what do you got mm. and what was cool about that even further is the fact that nobody in the huddle complained about that. Okay. Oh, you didn't, okay. Billy Joe said, didn't say, what about me? Golden <sighs> Richards didn't say, what about me? Or, or Preston Pearson or nobody because they knew that was our time. Sure. Right. And when Roger asked me, Drew, what do you got? He knew the feedback I would give him wasn't based on emotion. Mm, okay. okay. If it was mm-hmm. Michael Irvin or Dez, they'd ah, just throw me the ball. Yeah, I'll right, catch right, right. It, yeah, I'll catch it. Yeah. I said, Roger, playing this defense, we're going to play here. If you let me on this side, we'll run this route. If you go on the left side, we'll run this route. So he knew the information I would give him was calculated and not based on emotion. emotion. So we would take over in that situation. And, uh, you know, two plays before the Hail Mary, we had a fourth and 17. Wow. That we hit for 22 yards. And nobody talks about that play. No one talks about that play. We don't hit that. Fourth and 17. Yeah, that's amazing amongst itself. We don't hit that. There is no chance for a Hail Mary. So we hit that for 22 yards in the first down on uh, Nate Wright on the right sideline. And then we come back and he says, uh, let's go for it. He threw a pass to Preston. He dropped it. We come back with 28 seconds, no timeouts. And we wanted to just take as many shots in the end zone as we possibly could at that right. point. Yeah. So uh, it just so happened the first shot we took in the end zone <laughs> turned out to be one that they end up calling the Hail Mary. That's, that's, that's very awesome. cool. Yeah. That's an amazing thing. And I, I got to ask you a personal favor for you, sir. Um, 
I'm a former military guy, former army guy. God bless you. And uh, my first sergeant, biggest Cowboys fan in the world. His name is Alan Stickle. Could you just say what's up, first sergeant Alan Stickle, for me? Because sure. he he loves you. He, he loves you. He loves the Cowboys. Can you just say what's up, Where Alan? Is, hey, uh, first sergeant Alan Stickle. So yeah. I just want to give a shout out to you. Where's he hanging? He's uh, he's up in Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs. I hope you didn't do anything wrong to be way up there in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, anyway, we down here in Texas, we're thinking about you. We appreciate your service, and, you know, God bless you, and uh, you can't be uh, can't go wrong if you go USA and go Cowboys. That's right. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Let's talk about uh, Drew Pearson Live before we get out of here. Tell us mm-hmm. what Drew Pearson Live is and where we can find it. Yeah, Drew Pearson Live, uh, I do every Friday. Okay. You know, okay. I don't know... G- what call letters and all that. I'm not that hip into social media. That's all good. I just learned how to text the other day. (laughs) (laughs) My grandson, who's five years old, taught me that. Nice. (laughs) Good deal, man. But, uh, yeah, Drew Pearson Live, we do it every Friday with my co-host, Matt Thornton. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just try to talk sports, you know. This time of year, of course, we're going to talk a little Cowboys. Absolutely. Can't get too far away from that. Right, right. With the draft coming up, and uh, everybody wants to know what the Cowboys are going to do with free agency and all that kind of stuff. So we discuss that and give our our opinions on that. But we also delve into other sports in the offseason. And I guess the hot topic now is the Dallas Mavericks sure. and yes. what they're going through with yes. their investigations and all that. And we'll see how that plays out. But then you got baseball and spring training. Mm-hmm. You know what? I wish I had played baseball. Man. Oh, really? You know, because they go to spring training, and two days later they're playing games. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when do they run? When do they sweat? When do they do things that, you know, get you in shape? Right, right. I just don't understand why you got to play those games. That many games in spring p- training right. to play, what, 162 during the season? <laughs> yeah. right. Seems like that's enough yeah. time to get your game together. But <laughs> sure. anyway, I love baseball. That was my favorite sport growing up. So okay. we cover all that kind of stuff, and uh, we do it every Friday. I do it from Drew Pearson's Sports 88 Grill, okay, which oh, okay. is a new restaurant opened up at DFW Airport. Okay. Oh, We're in Terminal nice. E near Gate 5. Mm. And we've been open. This is our third month being open now. We want to thank the DFW Airport Board for allowing us the opportunity. Thank my partner, Concessions International, for bringing Drew Pearson into the airport. And what we try to do with Facebook Live is try to bring the outside Mm -hmm. into the airport and the inside of the airport to the outside Right, of course. Perfect. So that's uh, something you can't get at Chick-fil-A or some of the other (laughs) IHOPs or some of the other (laughs) restaurants that are in the uh, in the airport and plus i'm there i can sign autographs for you and it's pretty cool as as the travelers come through sure they stop by the spot Mm -hmm. at the airport there and then they see drew pearson Mm -hmm. they can't believe it and uh, even though there might be fans of other cities like chicago to new york and all that that Mm -hmm. service that area of the airport they still have respect for not only Drew Pearson but the Dallas Cowboys as well. Awesome, that's awesome. Good I know deal, for man. I know for a fact there's some huge Philly fans in there. Yes. So the fact that they got to see Drew Pearson today makes my heart happy. Make sure right. they, they should give me a check. Got <laughs> <laughs> them fired up, man. The thing the Cowboys should do is let me make this draft day speech. Yes. Right, to get our team fired up, right? There you go. Awesome. All right, there all right. You go. we're gonna let you out of here, man. Thank you for joining us. Uh, right just all the respect and honor to you for being a great Cowboy. Boy in the Ring of Honor, three-time Pro Bowler, Super Cha- Super Bowl, all decades, all seventies decades team. When we get in the Hall of Fame, what's going on with that? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. And uh, 
I keep getting pushed back further down the list. That's know, I feel sorry for Everson Walls because he yes. made the finalist out of nowhere sure. all of a sudden. Yeah. But, you know, when you don't make it in your final opportunity to go through that particular door, now right. you're pushed in that senior door. Right. right. And now you're really pushed way back. Right. And so I hope they don't do Everson like they've done me. Ah. Uh, but we'll see what happens there. All right. Okay. Everson and Drew for the Hall of Fame. Let's there you go. Hey, do, 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 do. Hashtag. All right. Uh, guys, <laughs> hang guys. tight. Thank we'll you. be right back. All right, there you have it. The first ever Best of Fat Packs edition, February 2018 for you. Um, what a what a what a good time! Three back to back interviews of three champions, uh, all great for their own respective reasons. But uh, I had I had a lot of fun talking to each of each of them. Uh, we'll start with Charles Haley, man. What what a guy who who is. It's a tough interview, actually, because you've, if you've heard him on other stuff, he, he's hard to nail down and keep on track sometimes. But we had a lot of fun talking to him, and he stayed right on right on course with us. And good stories. He was razzing us uh, after the interview, and, and he was just fun to to hang out and be around. And then the always personable Drew Pearson. If you live here in the Dallas area, you know that Drew is always around. You can always see him somewhere doing something. So having being in the room when he presented Dr. Beckett with that Lifetime Achievement Award and then then having him step out and, and speak to us for a few moments, that was uh, a cool experience uh, as, you know, he's he's number 88. He's the original 88. Never saw him play live, but, man, I've, I've seen plenty of video of him, and I know everybody thinks he pushed off, but you know what? He, he got it done. And then Nate Robinson. Uh, we, started, we started the show with Nate Robinson. He was a fantastic interview. Had such a fun time with him, and being able to talk about uh, just his career all the way from from high school all the way up through college, and then into the pros and, and you know what he's doing now. And we wish him all we wish him the best of luck with his podcast. We know podcasting is a tough business, but when you got Sports Illustrated behind you, I think you'll be okay. They, uh, I'm looking forward to, the, to to Carlos and uh, and and Nate doing that. Checking it out pretty soon here. The the hold that hold that podcast. You guys look for that pretty soon uh, coming out for, uh, on Sports Illustrated's network. And finally, um, you know, just my overall thoughts of February. I think it was a great month. I want to thank everybody who uh, downloaded and listened to the podcast for the month of February. It, we had our most successful month ever, and that, that means a lot to me. And thank, thanks for listening and, and hanging out with us uh, every Thursday. I know that there are other choices out there. And uh, the fact that you're hanging around with us, that that's a lot of fun. So uh, shout out to everybody else, all those other choices. Shout out to to Rob and Ivan and Vince and, and Drew and all those guys. Just, you know, you guys keep doing what you're doing. You're pushing us to, to bring better stuff. And I hope we're pushing you as well to bring better content. So having you here with us listening means a lot. Just thanks for doing that. All right. That was the best of February 2018. And until next month, we'll catch you next time.
rhymes vicious still sound stupendous Other cats on the radio, they sound horrendous We some mind benders and they never been pretenders You out here trying to end us, but y'all just beginners We some natural born killers and we creeping through your windows, man We the fucking realest, man, regardless if you feel us, man Don't make me call the hitters to pay the grave diggers 